You're listening to Impulse to Innovation. The Institution of Mechanical Engineers podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Helen Mees. As a global community of mechanical engineers with over 120,000 members in 140 countries, the Institution of Mechanical Engineers has been at the heart of the engineering profession since 1847. The Institution's mission is to improve the world through engineering by sharing the latest news, views and insight into the creative world of technology and the people that make it happen. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Impulse to Innovation 2022. If you're a regular listener, it's great to have you back. If you're joining us for the first time, well, welcome. We hope you enjoy the eye-to-eye episodes on offer. We have a fantastic lineup of topics for you this year, which will be focusing on the institution's key themes of climate change, infection control, transport and education, and how mechanical engineers can help to solve the global challenges facing society today and in the future. We will also be out and about with some more live streaming shows at the institution's challenge competitions throughout the year, so keep listening for more of the dates on those events. But if you weren't already aware, 2022 is an extra special year for the institution as we are celebrating our 175th birthday. In the autumn of 1846, a group of engineers met to watch locomotive trials at the Licky Incline near Bromsgrove. Here, they discussed the ideas of forming an institution of mechanical engineers to meet the needs of what had become a burgeoning separate discipline within engineering. Four of this group, Edward Humphreys, Archibald Slate, James MacDonald and Charles Bayer, signed their names to a letter which was circulated among prospective members. The letter invited recipients to attend a meeting at the Queen's Hotel Birmingham on Wednesday, October 7th, 1846. The result of this meeting was the formation of a committee to draw up and agree the rules and regulations of the new institution – On the 27th of January, 1847, 56 engineers and manufacturers met at the Queen's Hotel for a general meeting to formally found the institution. George Stevenson was elected the institution's first president and by 1848 there were over 162 members. One Birdcage Walk was officially opened on the 16th and 17th of May, 1899, celebrated by a two-day conference for members and 750 guests. Today, we are a global community of mechanical engineers, represented in over 140 countries, the largest network of mechanical engineering knowledge, skills and opportunity anywhere in the world. So... What's in store for the institution this year? And what are its members and staff looking forward to most? In this month's episode, my guests are Lucy Bonner, Institution Archivist, Paul Jones, Technical Strategy Board Chair and Past Chair of the Automotive Division, and Joe Horton, Member Operations Director. Lucy Bonner has been the institution's archivist for over two years and is responsible for the management of both the physical and digital collections kept within the library at One Birdcage Walk. Over the last few months, 
leading up to the anniversary, Lucy has been taking a look back through the archive at the earliest documents pertaining to the institution's founding. I chatted to Lucy about why the institution's history is so important to the engineering community and what she has found to be the most interesting aspects of change over the last 175 years. Lucy, thank you ever so much for joining me on the podcast today. My first question to you is, why is the institution's history so valuable? So I believe there's a number of reasons why it's so valuable. So, for example, it provides a perspective on the history of technical developments within mechanical engineering, uh, about the development of engineering education, about engineering standards. And I think the really important word there is perspective, So it is one viewpoint created by the institution. But it's worth noting that the history of the institution is intertwined with societal changes. So engineers have always looked to develop solutions for the challenges of the day. And that might have been things like industrial steel or mass production or mechanical heart valves. So the institution's history plays a role as a reflection of society in a way. And that can also be seen in our membership records, which are not only particularly useful for those people who are researching individuals, but it also shows the developments and changes in engineering education from apprenticeships to evening classes, day release classes, degree courses, apprenticeships sort of back to apprenticeships again. Uh, And also they show, um, sort of provide an insight, I suppose, into past engineering networks. When an individual applied to become a member of the institution, they had to provide a proposer, a seconder, and um, some other individuals to recommend their application. And that might have been a college lecturer, an employer, a former employer, a colleague, you really get an idea of how well the engineering world was connected. Yeah, I I mean, it strikes me as as being really sort of almost like a cake. You can kind of cut through this history, can't you? And and see all these layers of things that were going on um, throughout the last 175 years and, and, and really get a picture for the way people lived, worked, communicated and and all of that really must paint quite a a vivid picture to you as you know in in the work that you do as an archivist. Yeah it really does and you also just see the membership records are a really good example because you also just see the impact of uh, events that had absolutely nothing to do with engineering in a way but you see the impact of that on individuals Um, and you see that through things like individuals anglicising their names, for example, which has become sort of a fairly common thing. Uh, And you also then, you know, begin to see women members. So you sort of see changes in society that really you wouldn't necessarily expect to see in an engineering archive. Yeah. Um, But it's, it's much more than an engineering archive. Absolutely. Well, I suppose that leads to to my next question, which I guess must be quite a tricky one. It's going to be a tricky one. What aspect of the last 175 years have you found most interesting as an archivist? I think the thing for me that's most interesting is, is, it's a bit of an odd answer, but it's the amount of change that has occurred whilst some things have very much stayed the same. So that sounds a bit odd. But I think 
you know, for example, using the institution as an as an example, 175 years ago, when a group of engineers got together to found an institution of mechanical engineers, we didn't have aeroplanes, we didn't have cars, we didn't have computers, you know, all those things that we didn't have that we just use in our day-to-day lives and and take for granted. Um, And yet at that point, the aim of the institution was to enable engineers to increase their knowledge and give an impulse to inventions likely to be useful to the world. And we can now see the results of some of those inventions. And so whilst there has been all this change, a remarkable amount of change, some things have stayed exactly the same. Yeah. That sort of driving ethos has remained the same. So I think that's the, that's the sort of the most interesting thing is that you can have sort of change happening around you and yet there's also a sort of a sense of stability within that. Yeah, I mean, we I suppose it really puts it into perspective when you think about the technology that has developed since that first group of engineers got together in Birmingham and and things that they never would have thought about we're, we're doing today, you know, robots in surgery and, and landing on the moon and all of these things that not just mechanical engineers, but engineers in general have have created. And that inspiration, I suppose, comes from that first group, doesn't it? That that underlying drive to innovate and drive to to create a, a better world um, really kind of underpins everything that has developed since then, really. Yeah, I think you're quite right. So when One Bird Cage Walk the institution's headquarters opened in 1899. It was state of the art because it had a telephone and it had a lift. And, you know, they were things that they were rightfully very proud of at the time. It wasn't until a year later in 1900 that the first paper was delivered on road locomotion. Uh, And now, you know, we look at the Formula Student Competition and we've got electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles. and, And, you know, when Healy Shaw delivered his paper on road locomotion. Could he imagine in, you know, 120 years time, as it would have would be from 1900, um, exactly what has come from that? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's an amazing thing to to kind of think about and, and to be very proud of it as a member of the institution and as an engineer. It, it's wonderful to know that we do stand on the shoulders of giants in terms of, of the technology that's gone before us, which is amazing. So, what what are you looking forward to then in 2022 in, in the HQ, in the library, in the archive? What is it that you're really excited about this coming year? So we've uh, just launched uh, a virtual archive gallery for the 175th anniversary. Uh, and so we're quite excited to have digitised um, some of the earliest institution minutes and put those online. It sounds like they quite enjoyed having uh, dinner and drinks after their early <laughs> meetings, <laughs> which, you know, can't blame them. They've done important work. So we're really looking forward to sort of over the year, we're going to be adding some more things to that. We've also had some uh, audiovisual material digitised, uh, it was in the process of being digitised at the moment, and that's interviews with automotive engineers. So we're really excited about getting that back because at the moment that is on real audio tape. So we have no way of making that accessible. When we get that back, we will have a digital version of that. So that's a really exciting thing to share. 
Yeah, look forward to hearing that. That'll be really interesting to hear those voices from the past. Well, I, I know that you have provided me with some quite useful information over uh, over this last year because we've been looking at the history of the biomedical engineering division, and we're very excited because we found out some really exciting stuff just looking back at those minutes of the meetings. So I'm I'm really looking forward to sharing that with uh, with the biomedical community in in the coming year. Lucy, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to, to tell us a little bit about what's going on and why you as an archivist are so passionate about our community as engineers. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Paul Jones is a fellow of the institution, past chair of the automotive division, and is presently the chair of the technical strategy board one of the seven operational boards which provide insight and guidance to the trustees. Paul's role as TSB Chair is to develop and continually review activities across the 18 divisions and groups which represent the institution's industry specialisms. As Chair of the Biomedical Engineering Division, I work closely with Paul, so it was great to get to talk to him about the key engineering themes, the impact these will have on the working lives of engineers and what he personally was looking forward to as TSB Chair in 2022. Paul, thank you ever so much for joining me today to talk about TSB and the work that they do. We have a very exciting year ahead of us, Paul, this being our anniversary year. So what is the Technical Strategy Board focusing on as its key themes this year? Well, Helen, firstly, let me say thank you very much for the opportunity to uh, come and talk today about what the TSB is focusing on. As you're aware, for a number of years, the institutions had a number of key themes, energy and environment, education, manufacturing, transport, and of course, healthcare. Um, with COP26 last year, we chose to zero in on three of the five themes. That's energy transition, clean transport, and cities in the built environment. Oh, and I also must forget the work we've been doing on infection control, particularly with the Pandemic Infection Control Solutions Initiative. Yeah, that's that's been uh, quite in the forefront of our minds, hasn't it, over over the last uh, few months? And I know the team, the committee that that came out of that has has done a, an awful lot of work. So, how does this flow down to to the members themselves, and what impact does it have on on their everyday working lives as engineers? Oh, well, significant. I mean, if we took, for example, the um, clean transport policy and you think about the, the transport hierarchy and, and, you know, we set a transport hierarchy as an institution a number of years ago, uh, you know, and, and very simply, there are three priorities there which affect everybody. You know, the first one is reduction in demand for transportation. So, you know, think about things like um, remote working, uh, reducing travel distances, um, reducing freight demand and, and freight transport distances. The second priority is you know, system efficiency all around modal shift. So, you know, enable the choice of transport modes with the lowest environmental impacts. So, can we can we shift a mode from cars to walking or cycling? Can we increase the use of public transport, you know, buses, trams, trains? And can we have increased system efficiency then by switching, for example, uh, to battery for electric cars, vans, and buses? And then the third priority 
is, you know, improved transport vehicle energy efficiency and the use of renewable fuels. So, you know, how can we identify opportunities for the developments and application of these new technologies, which, which, you know, produce efficiency improvements and reduce the energy required for transport? So, you know, that's just an example with the with the transport focus. Um, if we think about, you know, infection control, you think about all the work we've been doing looking at um, sort of clean air solutions and, and, and ventilation in buildings. Um, so, again, you know, just, just a couple of examples there. So actually, the work that TSB does is really quite important because what we say and do at the institution in terms of developing policy and recommendations to government can seriously have an effect on our everyday working lives and practices as engineers. So, Paul, what would what would you say uh, is the best way for members to get involved in things like the division and groups work, which is uh, part of TSB? Well, Helen, there's a, there's a number of ways of doing that. Um, you know, if you go onto the institution's website, very simply on the homepage, you've got the Get it, Get Involved tab there. So, you know, we've got the Young Members Network. We've got the sort of member networks um, near you, which cover the regions. And then as we zoom in on the Technical Strategy Board, we've got what's the, you know, the industries and, and specialisms. Uh, you know, as you know, the um, Technical Strategy Board is made up of the 18 divisions and groups, which split by industry sector and by specialism. And again, if you visit the website and visit any of those particular pages, um, and, and you can sort of reach out to the member network uh, engagement people um, through that. Um, so, so many, many opportunities. And we're always looking for, for volunteers to bring, you know, fresh blood, n- new ideas, uh, new thinking. And I'll make sure the links that you just mentioned, Paul, are on the page on our podcast website. Well, I think this year being our 175th anniversary, I think there's a great opportunity. If any of our members who are listening at the moment, um, you know, want to do something new or try something new uh, uh, over this coming year, then joining the divisions of groups, I think, is a great way to do that, isn't it, Paul? I would absolutely encourage that. I mean, you know, as we as we look forward, you know, we look at the big challenges society has, things like climate change, and it's going to be engineers that solve those problems. So for me, you know, it's it's a it's a fascinating time to be involved in engineering. Yeah, and and uh, you and I both are on uh, TSB together. I as as chair of one of the divisions, so we we know just how passionate and how exciting um, the work is that that members are doing across all the divisions and groups. So it, it is a great time to to get involved. So I suppose this is a great way to lead to my final question, really, which is, what are your hopes for the institution in in the next one hundred and seventy five years? Well, I think that it that it remains at the forefront of professional engineering, you know, and it is a, it is a thought leader. It is um, um, a recognised professional body in terms of you know go to for government um, an impartial professional advice, for example. And, and, and really, that, that I guess that we are you know leading the charge in terms of solving some of these you know big issues that society faces. I'm, I've already mentioned climate change, you know, and you know if you look back recently and you think about the sterling. Job done with um, vaccination. You know, I heard last week. Uh, I think in the lecture that uh, Sir Patrick Valance gave that there have been eight billion doses of COVID um, vaccine admi- um, administered. 
And it's engineers that, that scaled that up to mass production. You, you remember in the early days when people were worried about vaccine supply, and it was engineers that kind of stepped up to the plate and, and, and scaled that up. So for me, it, you know, doing our bit for society, you know, g- going forward as we have done for the last 175 years. Yeah, I feel your passion there in terms of, of you know, why this is so important. And um, I, I was talking to to Lucy, our archivist, earlier on, and she was talking about, you know, what the engineers who founded the institution would think of the last 175 years. We're at that point where, you know, looking forward to the next 175 we have no idea what sorts of technologies are going to be developed, but engineers are going to be the, the foundation from which that all comes from. So it's a very exciting time, I think, for us and, and the institution. I, t- I totally agree, Helen. You know, I, I, can't, I can't think, you know, in my 35 years uh, in the engineering profession, I can't think of a more rewarding career. I think that is a perfect note to end on there, Paul. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what's in the calendar for for um, the various divisions and groups over the coming year. Thanks very much. Thank you, Helen. It's been a pleasure. Joe Horton has been a stalwart member of the institution staff for over 20 years, beginning with her role as Head of Engineering Operations, then Head of International Development, and now as Director of Member Operations. Joe is passionate about the institution and its members, and works closely with many of the operational and governance boards and volunteers to ensure everyone has the best possible experience throughout their time as members of the institution. I started by asking Joe about the year ahead and the strategic direction the institution was taking. Joe, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. It's going to be a really busy year ahead for the institution, isn't it? Celebrating our 175th anniversary, deciding on the future of a HQ building, continuing all that wonderful implementation of governance changes. But what about you? Uh, (laughs) As director of uh, member operations, I bet your calendar is already full until this Christmas, isn't it, already? So what is your focus for this year in terms of member-facing services and support? Uh, Thank you, Helen. Um, Firstly, this is my first podcast with you, so I'm very excited um, and hopefully it might be one of a, a few more in the future, depending how I, how I get on. But yeah, this, this is really different, Helen, for, for so many reasons. But the, the fundamental one for us is the fact it's our 175th anniversary. Who'd have thought it? It's such an exciting year that it, it's a time to celebrate. And I think there's a lot of reasons in, in society, not just in the UK, but globally to, to start sort of trying to celebrate uh, going forward. And I think it's a great opportunity to celebrate the achievements of the institution and the people. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Um, and also that the contribution that mechanical engin- engineering has made to society, but yet importantly, still going to inspire the next generation, that future group of, of engineers. We were talking about it earlier um, in the year when we were planning our activities, and it's about honouring our past, all the fantastic people and achievements but also looking to the exciting future that that engineering is going to bring to us all. And I think it's it's also really important to look at um, in terms of mechanical engineers and our members. I mean, in terms of the activities that actually start looking and solving global challenges. And I think you've probably heard on on previous podcasts about our policy priorities uh, going forward around, around climate change, 
education, infection control now, very topical, yeah. um, as, as well as transport, really focusing back on why we existed in the first place about improving the world through engineering. So as director of Member Op, it, it's a really exciting year to focus on some key themes. There's a lot of lots to do, but in terms of um, the key ones, I think probably if I give two, um, rather than go on for too long around it, but two, one is, is, is about keeping that focus of supporting and developing our engineers, representing engineers and technicians to the whole of the, of the community and really trying to support their career development, no matter what stage uh, they're at during their career progression. And I think secondly is around maximizing the impact of our members. There is such yeah. a collective force around the world, a diversity of engineers and technicians, and what can the institution do collectively uh, to promote engineering, uh, informing opinion, stimulating that innovation um, at the end of the day for the benefit of society. And I think this year, linking that with 175th is, is something quite special. We we know as engineers that we're standing on the shoulders of giants. I've, I've said this what more a good than phrase. yeah, yeah <laughs> more than once. And you know, it's it's this opportunity, as you rightly said, to to look back at where we've come from and that first group of engineers who who met up, who mm. wanted to create a community for themselves, to what we are today is is quite astounding. Mm. This. That, you know, I'm sure they wouldn't even recognise this international community that we've created, and I'm I'm very excited about the 175th anniversary. I, I really enjoyed listening to to Patrick Valance the other day giving his talk. It, it just started off the year, and and it sounds like you've got an awful lot of things planned to to really kick things off and and really showcase what our engineering community offers. Yeah, very much so, and I I think um. Not only because of the 175th anniversary this year, but also what the whole world has been through over the last couple of years uh, with with COVID. I think it, it, it's about bringing people together from both those yeah. angles. In the last couple of years, there's been a huge amount of innovation as well as challenge. And and from an from an institution perspective, some of the innovation and change is bringing that community together. So no matter where you may be based in the UK, in the world is actually the technology we've just had to jump onto to embrace yeah. has made such a difference. Um, and I think it's really important that sense, hopefully sense of belonging because of the community like you mentioned. Uh, and also um, in terms of the technology we're using, not to lose that. Yeah. So I think part of our priorities is to learn from the last few years about all the, all the good stuff, all the um, the things that have worked well, and also learn from the things that haven't, and make sure we don't do those again. But the the, the transformation, not just in IMECI, but in in lots of organisations, of using digital platforms, reaching out from a sense of um, emotional well-being, as well as how's the engineering going, yeah. uh, has has made us a, a different style of uh, organisation. And it's really important that we learn that and carry that on into the future. So I think certainly. Um, in terms of our membership, you know, I think you mentioned at the beginning of the of the podcast, the introduction. You talk about you know, 115,000 members globally. 33% of those not based in the UK, very important members and growing. And and so all the activities we consider right now, all the new services and benefits we might we might think about going forward is about the inclusivity of those, the diversity of them. Have we thought about 
that product, that service, will it reach the audience we want it to? Um, and I think that's a mindset change uh, as well as maybe a, a process or structural change which, which has happened. And, and I think the pandemic has helped that move quicker at a quicker pace than yeah. perhaps would have happened, if I'm being honest. So it's, it's quite exciting that through the 175th, it can be celebrated anywhere. Yeah. I'm looking forward to um, listening and hearing what our members want to say about the institution right now. So part of the celebration is listening. And that includes sort of, so tell us about experience you've had at IMEC over the years. What was it like? Did you enjoy it? Tell us what you'd like to do in the future. So it's about celebrating the past and the people and also sort of going forward. But we want everyone to join that celebration uh, this year. Yeah, well, I know that there's um, there's a, a one seven five email address as well, and we'll make sure that that's on on the podcast notes as well. So if people want to get in touch, is that the best way to do that? Yes, um, and we we also like a hashtag IMeki these days. So hashtag I am IMeki and hashtag Forward Thinkers. But we will accept information uh, and and discussion in any format here at the at the institution. But certainly, yes, if the first straightforward information there's an email address and a website which um which we can um share with the audience excellent that's fantastic i will definitely put that up up on there now i know you joe very well and i know how passionate you are about our international member engagement so how will our global engineering community be celebrating the 175th anniversary and and why do you feel being part of this global community is so important for engineers today? So, yes, I think you you, you discovered one of my um, guilty pleasures, uh, Helen, the institution. I, I worked with international uh, members for many years and had some fantastic uh, times and many more, more to come. Uh, with a with membership of over 115,000 members, many based uh, worldwide, part of the 175th is to celebrate uh, the, the diversity of our, our membership and promote inclusion. Yeah. So I think it's fundamental in in our in our celebrations, really, and in, and also to to share great achievements, share ideas in that community, and that's what IMECI is all about as a as a professional body. So we would we're, we're looking forward to hearing and seeing more from our international members uh, this year. And having more debate and, and talk, tackling those tough issues in engineering going forward. Yeah. And I think that's a, a really important part as, as we grow and develop our, our international footprint. Well, Joe, we, we are going to be having a number of international based shows over the coming year on the podcast. And I'm really excited. I'm going to be talking to um, members of the ISB in a few weeks time to get their thoughts on what's going on internationally. So, you know, I I think there's there's a, a great opportunity to share the broader picture of what's going on uh, amongst our engineering members. I spoke earlier, uh, Helen, around how we want to really ensure we maximise the impact of our members in in promoting engineering, um, informing opinion, stimulating innovation. And I I think this truly needs to be done on a a global scale uh, to have that most impact for society in terms of our policy priorities going forward, climate sustainability, future transport, infectious disease control and education these are all global issues and should be tackled in 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 that way yeah totally they 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 underlie everything that we are doing right now as mm. engineers and and this this is something that i think is is going to be the future of of the institution where we we pick up on those 
issues that are fundamental to what's going on in the world and the challenges we face yeah. and and embed them into what we deliver as as an institution. So um, it's really great to hear how that's going to flow into not only the celebrations, but also into the engineering community as well. And I think if you don't forget, our core purpose is around developing and supporting engineers throughout their career. And, uh, you know, we, we position ourselves to provide that global engineering standard through professional registration and accreditation and our qualifications. And that way, we're trying to, I suppose, in a way, trying to build like a really thriving engineering um, international community of engineers and technicians. Yeah, well, I'm I'm certainly looking forward. I, I'm already talking to to some of our members, biomedical engineering members in in Africa, uh, about us doing a, a joint webinar. So you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Count me in. Thank you. Now, m- my last question to you really is. About the future, I suppose, we, we've all been cooped up, haven't we, at home over the last two years now. And, and that's really affected the way that we interact with each other, particularly, obviously, at HQ, which is our home, our community. So what are, are you and the team particularly looking forward to most this year? That's a really good question. Um, it feels um, for, for myself personally, and many of my colleagues I've spoken to, most members of the staff, we're still in this transition phase. Um, I think there's still some uh, uncertainty, but that also leads to excitement. Yeah. So, so I think um, our plans aren't set in concrete deliberately, um, but but there is a, a an appetite um, for further collaboration, um, which includes more face to face. So, in terms of of, of IMECI, we see um, uh, perhaps more interaction, um, keeping the, the value and the benefit inclusivity of uh, um, hybrid working, virtual working, etc. But bringing actually bringing maybe all of those sort of systems together, um, where we haven't been able to do that potentially over the last couple of years. Um, unfortunately, we we did go um, virtual with our Patrick Valance lecture, but we have several other Prestige lectures planned, and you know. With all the good wind behind us, these will be, you know, a mixture of hybrid and face-to-face going forward. But I think, in terms of, it, of excitement as well, is that we we know we need to invest more in technology. Yeah. And so there's 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 plenty of work being done this year to keep promoting and enhancing and developing our digital platforms. Uh, these are the way ahead uh, for the institution. It's important we we keep that, but it's really important that we do this and engage um, our particular our active members along the route who are um, customers uh, of this of some of these services. So we need to make sure that they're fit for purpose uh, going forward. But also, I think you know, uh, in terms of the next generation, uh, we talked about earlier, Helen, uh, around you know, inspiring the next generation of engineers getting on board. So we need to be fit for purpose for what's relevant for those. And not all of it, but a substantial part will be how we deliver that service uh, through digital means. Yeah, I think the the last two years has shown us just how different uh, communication actually is and uh, how these tools need to be incorporated into our everyday working lives and I think that's that's a really good opportunity to to move forward and really engage our community through that those digital platforms. And another important focus uh, for the institution uh, this year is about the continuing to embed uh, the values of the organisation. So I think inclusion, integrity, innovation and impact yeah. and it's these are a real golden thread to all our activities and all our conversations uh, going forward 
And it will also, I think, you know, at the end of the day, support and enable the organisation to get the best from our fantastic employees, our volunteers, our fantastic members and the supporters that truly underpin uh, the institution and the lifeblood uh, of the organisation to really achieve um, its maximum potential. Joe, thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I know just how passionate you are about making sure that the members uh, are really part of this whole community. So thanks ever so much for joining me. Thank you. That's all for this month. In next month's episode, we will be exploring corrosion engineering, non-destructive testing, and how the IMEC-E trains engineers to ensure our global infrastructure remains safe and fit for purpose. You've been listening to Impulse to Innovation, the Institution of Mechanical Engineers podcast. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to share any news or any feedback with us, then please email us podcast at imekey.org. All the information on this episode can be found in the episode notes.